Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I would say that a huge obstacle for me was just advocating for myself and, you know, telling myself you belong here, you know, don't ever let anyone make you feel like you didn't work hard to get here. And, you know, if they do, that's their problem. You do you. And I promise people will notice. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world. And one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality. Every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality, support the Women in Tech podcast. Follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And remember to always look for the orange sunglasses. Today's personal spot is about our own self-limiting beliefs. So I created, it's actually one of my teammates suggested it, a self-critic trash. And so what it is, I got myself a little notebook. I just found it in my cupboard. Um, The notebook title says, You Are Epic. And I have this little old fishbowl from actually my first startup that I put next to me, next to my desk. And whenever I have a negative self-limiting belief, I write it down. I put a big like error, error, you know, the zero with the slash and I throw it into the trash. I think our mind is real estate. And if any of the capacity of my mind is going towards thoughts that don't serve, empower, energize both me and the people around me, then like, What's the point of that? That does nothing for for anyone. So it's a little experiment for myself. I'm curious to see how it works out. But so far, (laughs) I mean, sadly and also awesome, I have, I think, three or four things in there, and it's only day one. So we'll see how it goes. But it definitely feels empowering. So I suggest it. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest coming at us from New York. Welcome, Helena. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you. Ever since I became exposed to the magic of levels and that your talent in assessing data, I'm like, please let me have Elena on the show. Helena, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm a data scientist at Levels Health. 
I've always been interested in math and statistics and computer science, and I'm also really passionate about health. And so it's no surprise I ended up being a data scientist at a health tech startup. Tell us what Levels does. Levels uh, has a mission to solve the metabolic health crisis by showing members how food and lifestyle affects their health through continuous glucose monitoring. And we leverage this real-time feedback to help members discover their optimal diet, control their weight, and reduce long-term health risk. And how did you discover the opportunity at Levels? So I was finishing up my master's at Mount Sinai, and I was doing Alzheimer's research. And I always knew that Alzheimer's, you know, had a direct connection to diabetes. But, you know, I, I sort of just kind of ignored this point and it, it just wasn't really like the main focus of my research. And then I had one conversation with Sam Korkos, who's the CEO of Levels. And he said something so interesting to me. He said, well, Alzheimer's is type three diabetes. And I was like, I've never heard that before. Please elaborate. And after about 15 minutes, I was like, okay, I need to work for you immediately. (laughs) Wow. Like what is the journey of becoming a a data scientist even look like? When did that first begin? Yeah, it's so, it's such a new field. And honestly, when I was in college, data science wasn't even a major. And And so it's a very, very new field. I think my journey sort of began more in math and statistics. Like I always had a childhood obsession with puzzles. And I realized that, you know, if I went into something like math, it's all puzzles and I would never run out of things to solve. And and so that's like really where my journey sort of started. And then as I got deeper into it, I realized okay, you can't even do these these complex math problems without the tech side. And so I started to get into computer science after college. And then I sort of also landed in health because it's something I'm really passionate about. And hence, you know, data scientist in health. That's, that's kind of how it happened. It's not really like a linear process. Let's visually walk through. I know we've had another teammate from Levels on the show as well, but for those of you who haven't caught that episode yet, what Levels is, is, and this is me describing it as a, 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 a consumer of Levels, or not, a user, consumer, whatever, a human <laughs> that has a patch on me. I'm not coming from a med tech knowledge whatsoever. So I got this, this patch. I stuck it on my arm. And um, in in sticking it on my arm in, in a very specific way, I was able to track um, my glucose slash insulin and how that is a uh, how food and activity or inactivity is affecting me day to day, so that I can make better choices in a more optimized living. So, for example, even from the Levels blog, I learned this that if I eat something and then I go for a walk, it's way better on my insulin than if I just eat the thing or I could eat pizza and be fine, but my friend can eat pizza and and it could affect them for two days. So food affects each one of us differently. Activity affects each one of us differently, but without us truly knowing what's going on in our specific bodies, we're just playing a guessing game. So 
somebody can say, yes, this food is bad for you, but what does that really mean to your body? Um, And someone could say this food is good for you like a banana, but maybe your banana, a banana for your body really spikes you and for the next person it, it wouldn't. And I think we could all agree that banana is perceived as an incredibly healthy food. Do I have it right, Elena? Yeah, exactly. I think what really drew me to levels also as a consumer uh, was the fact that we provide these these CGMs or we give access to these CGMs and empower people to have a real-time inside look at what's actually going on in their body. You know, when you go to the doctor, like let's say you get your annual checkup, that's just a snapshot of what's going on in your body at that point in time. Like they say, don't get your cholesterol checked around the holidays because you might not like what you see. But... You know, if you had access to that data every day, all year round, you know, that's part of the experience. It it could be, you know, your levels could spike, you know, one time with oatmeal and then maybe the next time you eat it, they don't spike. And levels kind of gives you the tools to figure out why and to discover, you know, okay, why am I getting this 3 p.m. crash? Like, why do I feel terrible after lunch all the time? And, you know, how how is my sleep affecting my, my mood or yes. my energy sleep levels? Sleep is the newest superpower I've become obsessed with that I'm terrible at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm terrible at it too. So uh, it's really, really cool to see. And it's really empowering to, to be able to sort of see inside your own body without having to go to the doctor and, and having them tell you, oh, yeah, you know, you're in, you're in the normal range. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> 100%. Now, uh, for, for what you're allowed to share, what discoveries have you made, like the one where if you take a walk after you eat, what are some other discoveries that were really interesting that you found um, based on the data that you've seen? Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of oatmeal, so so oatmeal is kind of like a sneaky spiker, we like to call them. Uh, some people do really, really poorly with oatmeal, and uh, it really depends. So uh, that was an interesting one. Another one that people often overlook is ketchup. Ketchup Ooh, actually what? has... Yeah. So like if you buy, you know, like the... Heinz or whatever the standard brand of ketchup, a lot of times, if you actually look at the back, there's a lot of sugar in there. Yeah. And and so unless you're sort of making it yourself, it it has the potential to spike you, depending on how much you use and obviously what you eat it with and stuff. But ketchup was an interesting one. Soy sauce also can contain a lot of sugar. Uh, So it doesn't matter even if we have low sodium soy sauce? uh, Yeah, it it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I would say... One thing I've learned just through looking at the data at levels is, okay, maybe I should start reading the the back of food labels just to see what's actually in these items because they really sneak sugar in there and uh, it doesn't always leave you feeling the best and then you're wondering why. So, When is the culprit of sugar okay or how do we not it's never okay on an ongoing basis but how do we make it a little bit more okay than norm in the sense like okay so we have sushi with soy sauce what what kind of should we have it with a parrot with a certain food or should we be doing a certain activity before or after or are there any kind of hacks of how to make it not as bad yeah yeah there are tons so actually with sushi uh 
A lot of our members tend to fare better when they go for sashimi and they eliminate the rice. The rice. Versus when, because rice is kind of that sneaky spiker. Um, or you can instead replace the sort of sticky white rice with, some people do better with brown rice. Some people don't, but some people do. And uh, cauliflower rice. And that's the point, by the way. Some people don't, some people do. And how can you know unless you know what's going on inside your body? Exactly, exactly. I mean, health is becoming so personalized now. And I think that's the right direction that we need to move in because everyone is different. Everyone's body is different. Everyone's genetics are different. Even your genetics are directly affected by things like lifestyle and where you live and even, you know, environment in the womb and stuff like that. So th- there are just so many factors now that make it impossible to just have standardized, here's a standardized diet. You know, it's not going to work for everyone because everyone's different. And what's your day-to-day look like at Levels? What's it look like to be a data scientist? Yeah, so it can vary for sure. I could be doing something like implementing a machine learning model to predict someone's glycemic variability to eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So, you know, let's say what a great job. <laughs> eat this sandwich. It's very cool. I'm I'm so fortunate that I I work here and I got to do these things all day. Um, Or, you know, I I could be working on a project uh, to sort of get some of those guided insights that I was just talking about. Um, You know, if you eat pasta five nights in a row and let's say you do not so well every night, I might make a suggestion and surface the suggestion to you in the app that says, hey, you know, this isn't going very well. Uh, you know, our members have typically fared better when they swap pasta with, you know, kelp noodles or zucchini noodles, or I know that those aren't, you know, that's not real pasta, but, or, you know, I might suggest, okay, maybe eat pasta with a protein or maybe go for a walk after you eat pasta or something like that. So it could be that, or I could be working on, you know, more internal projects like streamlining operations. There's, I, I touch a few different things. I, I work really closely with, you know, product, research, operations, front end, back end, uh, everyone really, <laughs> content. In the Levels meeting that I got to be a part of, I was really excited to discover um, about your meal pairing what, uh, what, or food pairing. Are you able to talk a little bit about your food pairing findings? Uh, food pairing in like terms of- Like what to eat together? Yeah, I mean, I think sort of what I've discovered looking through the data is, you know, if you're going to have a super starchy meal, something like that, uh, it's always best to pair it with a protein or a fat. You know, some people do really well with peanut butter, for example. Um, And, you know, they do well with it when they pair it with oatmeal and maybe pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds, and maybe some berries. And that's like a very balanced meal. But, you know, maybe if they just have peanut butter on its own, they don't do well. Or they have peanut butter on apples. They don't do as well. Really? Uh, Yeah. How can you... Okay, wait. Hold. What's the difference? Fruit can make you spike. Uh, That's like a common thing that we see. And and it shocks a lot of people because, you know, fruit is is good for you. Uh, And... 
it really depends on what you pair it with. Like I would suggest if you have strawberries, maybe eat it with a handful of almonds because the fat will sort of offset the sugar spike that you're going to get. So interesting. Before you got into levels, did you have any kind of interest in the the science behind food? Because this is like so cool, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I've learned a ton. I'm definitely not the expert on this stuff, but I I feel like I always, you know, I've, so for context, I've been a vegetarian my entire life. Uh, and I realized, especially when I got to levels that I'm not doing vegetarianism correctly. Uh, I was always sluggish. I, I tried even to go fully raw vegan at one point in college and I was so tired, hungry all the time, just so low energy, not making the best choices. And I learned a lot about nutrition and I started getting really, really into it during grad school because I was doing Alzheimer's research and Alzheimer's is, you know, also directly linked to a lot of metabolic conditions. And so this started to sort of become a bigger focus in my life, I guess I would say. But I didn't know anything about nutrition before I joined Levels. So cool. In your career, as you've been growing, what's a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? So I think that being a woman in tech is hard. Um, I, I've certainly, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've maybe felt like I don't, I'm not good enough to be here or, you know, I, I, maybe I've been discriminated against because of my gender. And, you know, there was a specific instance in college when I was singled out because I'm a woman and I was made to feel like I did something wrong, even though I didn't. And I ultimately decided, you know, not only to, you know, not file a complaint with the university, but I switched my major so that I wouldn't have to cross paths with that person as often. And years later, I was speaking with some some of the younger students and I found out that they all had a similar experience. And I regret not sticking up for myself because if I would have said something, maybe they wouldn't have had to go through that. And maybe I could have helped initiate a positive change where that type of discrimination is diminished. So... Uh, I would say that a huge obstacle for me was just advocating for myself and, you know, telling myself you belong here. You know, don't ever let anyone make you feel like you didn't work hard to get here. And, you know, if they do, that's their problem. You do you. And I promise people will notice. hundred percent. Right now I'm in a chapter of my life where I'm teaching myself how to set boundaries and, you know, when you come across people that don't like your boundaries, <laughs> they're going to get upset or have reactions that aren't so comfortable, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. I'm just saying that's not okay with me, <laughs> you know? And, and that, and, and it is extremely uncomfortable to say that's not okay with me because if it's the wrong person that does have malintent, they're not going to be too pleased, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it, it's, um, it takes a lot of courage to speak up for ourselves, to set boundaries, and we're all enough. Um, we're all enough. And I know the struggle. Uh, so often in my career, I have felt like I'm not enough. And so I, I too, understand that struggle. I pr really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that. 
Has there been a a piece of guidance or advice you've gotten maybe from a mentor that's helped propel you in your career? Yeah, I, I actually had a candidate say this to me during our interview. Uh, I was interviewing him, uh, but he's a lot older than me and, and has a ton of experience. And he was telling me about his personal experience founding a company coding the software and trying to get investors. And, you know, like me, he seemed like a little bit of a perfectionist. And he kept delaying the release of his software because he wasn't getting high enough accuracy with his models. And he finally had an investor say to him, why don't you just release this? It's not like it won't work. Just put it out there and see what happens. And he did. And it enabled him to not only fund his startup, but iterate on the models and take into account user feedback. And he's had a lot of success ever since. And so he told me, if you're not sure, or if you think it's bad, release it anyway. And ever since then, I, you know, I'm not afraid to post code on GitHub that's maybe not the most efficient because I know someone will look at it and say, hey, you can improve this this way. Or actually, you know, this data is a little more nuanced. Here's something you didn't know before. So I, I would say the best piece of advice I've gotten is, is really don't be afraid to try and if you end up, you know, even if you end up in a situation where, you know, someone tries to judge you or make you feel really bad about a mistake, use it as an opportunity to grow as a person and say to yourself, did I try? Yes. Did I fail? Sure. Am I going to let myself feel bad for a minute and then keep going? Hell yeah. Yeah. Progress, not perfection. Always. So tough. So tough. What would you say is the future that you look forward to? Like, what are your goals? What are next steps? And what can we do to help propel you there? Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, what I want to be, like, like, let's say 10 years from now, um, I'm talking like way out in the future, but, uh, you know, I want to be a woman in tech that other younger women in tech can look up to, can use as a resource, and, you know, can feel comfortable coming to. And, you know, if I, if I can be that, regardless of my successes and failures, I'll be happy. Um, but I think, I guess the more immediate next step for me would be, I want to build a team. I want to connect with other women in tech who, you know, have run data teams, started companies, and uh, just really get further into this community. I think since the pandemic, you know, I, I used to attend all these uh, like networking events in the city. And since the pandemic, I, I feel a little bit more disconnected. And I would love to just sort of get back into the community. You know, I've been thinking, I, I was reading Arlen Hamilton's book, It's About Damn Time. And in Arlen Hamilton's book, she talks about how um, a lot of times women don't have a uh, uh, the opportunities others do because we don't have the network. And I was thinking, how could I utilize the network and the resource of this podcast to help empower our listeners beyond just listening to an interview? Do you have any things that come to mind about like something related to the relationships I have with the guests and, and the listeners and just that the whole ecosystem exists that, you know, the podcast itself can create a mentorship culture? What Anything kind of pop in your head of what that could look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be amazing uh, to just have access to. I, I mean, I, I've been listening to your podcast, and you know, you have a lot of uh, female founders on there. You have other like really impressive women who just work in tech, and 
I think just creating a community where we can all email each other or share ideas or maybe get some sort of like mentorship buddy. I uh, right now I my undergrad alma mater is uh, I went to Barnard College, which is the Women's College of Columbia University, and I mentor a few students there now. And it feels really good to be able to sort of guide young women who are not sure, you know, if they want to get into tech or not sure where they fit in in the tech world. Um, And I think I'm actually probably one of the oldest, uh, I'm saying, quote, data science, uh, unquote, students there because data science didn't exist when I went there. And it would just be so nice to both have that for myself and be able to contribute to something like that. And, 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 you know, I, I've just had people cold email me and I'm like more than happy to speak with them. So what's a fruitful mentorship relationship look like for you, like as a mentor, how long would you want to give of your time or like what, what's the format? Like what's that look like? That's a fruitful, energizing experience for you. Yeah, I, I've I've had people just cold reach out to me and be like, hey, I saw you work in health tech. I'm sort of interested in it, but I don't really know where I fit in. And I'm like, here's a link to my calendar. Put something on there. Let's chat. And just honestly, listening to young women talk about tech is what energizes me. Like, I want to pull people into this industry. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I I never had that because I feel like there were there were even less women in tech when I started out, and so that's at its core really what makes it all worth it to me. And uh, yeah, do you remember because data science wasn't uh, formally at your school when you went there? Do you remember when that? that started to change and shift when it started to become a thing. Do you happen to recognize that time period and, and why, like what was going on? Uh, yeah, I think, so I feel like data science started to sort of emerge, at least for me, at least, you know, where I was noticing, okay, this is like an entirely different type of field probably the year after I graduated. Um, so that was 2014. So probably 20 or 2014. Huh? I'm not that old. Uh, 2018. Uh, so probably around 2019, honestly, more recently than you would think. Um, math and stats and comp sci ha- have been around, but they've sort of been treated as these separate entities, even though a lot of the stats students I knew undergrad also knew how to code. And uh, yeah, I feel like it didn't really become a more formal thing until a few years ago. It's interesting, even becoming a podcaster, when I first started podcasting in 2013, I mean, no one really cared about podcasting other than people who were in the underground world of podcasting that were super hardcore technologists that knew how to move like audio files from, you know, (laughs) hardware to hardware. It wasn't, it wasn't what it is now. It was, it was ludicrous to start a podcast at the time. And so I remember that kind of 
transformation in 2014 and why. And I think the the things that that spark that transformation are so interesting. You know, what happens in the world to start to create a shift that ends up taking mass adoption and going mainstream. It's just really fascinating how it all starts. Yeah. And I think data science is becoming even more relevant now because of the amount of data we have. Like, there's just too much data. You cannot get away with you know, old school stats that, you know, these equations have been around for hundreds of years. And uh, yeah, we need computers and we need people who understand math and data. And so I think that's really why, one of the reasons why this, this sort of field has been propelled. If someone were to wanted to follow in your footsteps and get into data science now, what would you recommend? Like what blogs should they follow? What groups should they be paying attention to? Uh, what's what's the accessible thing that they could do to start on the right path? Uh, so I, I started out actually just doing some Kaggle challenges. So there's a website called Kaggle where, you know, companies or Can you people, spell it for us? K-A-G-G-L-E, Kaggle. Uh, and you create an account. It's free. And there are companies or people who will post data sets and, you know, propose questions to solve. And actually, for some of them, you can even win money, uh, which is really cool. But, uh, you know, you can download these data sets, play around with the data, see what's interesting to you. There, there's a million different types, too. There's like every industry on there. And, uh, you know, you can submit them and publish them and get sort of a grade back. Or you could not. I I rarely submitted any. And um, yeah, I would say that's like a really good first step just to see if solving any these types of problems would be interesting to you. And then I think the next step would be, you know, pick a pick a coding language to learn. You know, I, I the first language I learned was R. I taught it to myself. Um, but there are a lot of online guides these days. Data Camp is probably one of my favorites. You can do a lot of the lessons for free. You, the, you know, you can learn how to code in R or in Python and and just sort of get a feel for it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's just English with different grammar, every coding language. So I think Kaggle is a great resource to recommend. Who are the must-follows in your world? Just in general, uh, it could be a must-follow podcast or a YouTuber or um, a blogger. Who's a must-follow creator for you? Um, I actually follow Jan LeCun pretty closely on Twitter. I'm not a big uh, social media, but Jan LeCun is one of the fathers of artificial intelligence. And he's, I believe he's currently the head of AI at Facebook, but um, he's always posting really interesting things about what's going on in sort of the deep learning field. I have a bunch of textbooks written by uh, a few of the other guys that, that sort of worked on deep learning because that's what I'm interested in. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, there are different sort of experts in the field. So it really depends on where you sort of, what facet you sort of see yourself in. And can you spell um, Jan LeCun's uh, Twitter handle for us? It's Y LeCun, Y-L-E-C-U-N. Perfect. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. We've had the show for several years. And the one thing that we don't have is a community name. And 
I just can't picture myself saying women in techers or the on our team meeting, I was like, fire starters. What do you think our, sh- our community name should be? These are really challenging questions. <laughs> <laughs> tell um, that one. Tell me about it. Because it's like we have the women in tech global community. But like, how do you start a podcast? The women in techers. <laughs> hey, yeah. women in techers. <laughs> Sounds so cheap. Like I'm cringing saying it. That's really hard. I'm not sure. Um, hmm. I I have to think of some and like and like throw them out there. How would fire starters land with you? Somebody was like, mm, try again. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any more? I could. Uh, <laughs> no, that's the only one. It's such a hard thing. I guess that's why no one's really come up with it yet. <laughs> I don't know. The ambitiousers, <laughs> the doers. Cyber women. I don't know. <laughs> the site. Hello, cyber women. <laughs> cyber women of the world. <laughs> Speaking of all this like crazy like names to call a community, I'm very fascinated that you don't utilize social media that much. Um, can you talk a, l- a little bit more about that choice and if you ever feel left out or if you just feel more energized than the rest of us? Yeah, I, I'm feel like I'm just not good at it. I don't know what it is. I I think maybe I just haven't spent enough time really figuring out, okay, like what's the right way to do it? I I don't really know how, you know, and I have friends who, you know, really are so good at using their like Instagram or their Twitter to have these really meaningful connections and inspire people and get inspired and, I'm definitely inspired when I see other people's social media. I just feel like I don't know where to start doing that for myself. Do you even want to start? Because I think life is better without it, just to be honest. You know, it's it's funny. I was saying to my mother literally yesterday, uh, you know, if I could just pay someone to do this for me, that would be really nice. <laughs> so I could just reap all the benefits and not do any of the work. 100%. You know, those people exist. But what I find in like I, I do them all, all myself versus when I see companies just like kind of like posting to post, the, the authenticity is so obviously not there. And I think more than posting, the thing that is the really, the the traction that really moves you forward is having conversations with as many people as possible, not actually the posting. So you could set up the posting on autopilot, but if you're not having, even though they may suck, you could still technically do that, but it still wouldn't matter because you're not engaging at all. And then that's, and that's the part that really matters. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see that as well. And so maybe one day I'll, you know, be really stay off it no. to get into it, but no. maybe not. Like I no. say, I, I have a Twitter and I, you know, follow some of these tech people on Twitter, but I've never tweeted before ever. <laughs> it's just there. I just took two months off of social media. I just got back on a day and a half ago. And so trust me, your life is better without it. Yeah. <laughs> What attracts you to the culture of levels? Why are you so passionate about not just what levels does and this extraordinary med tech company that we could see the inside of our bodies and how we function, but the culture itself? What what makes it extra- an extraordinary work experience for you? 
the people, really. I mean, even though we're a remote company, I get to work with some of the smartest, brightest, just most humble people, like collection of people ever. Like we always joke, you know, Level should just be like a one of those dating apps because they do such a good job of just curating a group of just like-minded people who are passionate, who really want to solve this problem, who are really bright, really nice, and just overall great, amazing people to work with. That's that's really what does it for me. And let's give a shout out to Ben because he is such a champion of women in tech and I really appreciate it. Can you talk a little bit about Ben, how we connected? Ben is amazing, first of all. Hi, Ben, if you're listening to this. Um, Ben is the one that connected us, and he does amazing work on the Levels podcast, uh, which I suggest everyone go check out. And yeah, he's also just a really interesting guy on, on top of it all. So I would say definitely go and listen to him talk about a million different topics. So I met Ben through actually the Acquired podcast. They have this uh, community called the LLP community, and I'm in that community. And I met Ben on the monthly meetup, and he's just always been such an evangelist of women in tech. I just couldn't believe how consistently empowering he's been. And so he introduced me to this world of levels. And when he connected me to Helena, I was like, oh, my gosh. I was just like so obsessed with how intelligent (laughs) and thoughtful she was. I'm like, oh, I have to have her on the show. Um, And I'm so excited that Ben hosts the the Levels podcast. Helena, can you tell us a little bit about the Levels podcast? Yeah. So there's actually two Levels podcasts. There's Levels Metabolic Insights, and then there's a whole new level, uh, which is more, you know, Ben talking with different uh, Levels employees or you know, uh, sometimes we'll have physicians on or advisors on or just interesting people on to talk about literally anything. He actually recorded a podcast with another uh, female software engineer at Levels to just talk about her years being a digital nomad, which was really interesting. And so they're really great. I listen to them all the time. And yeah. So to listen to the Levels podcast, go to levelshealth.com slash podcast. We'll be sure to include it in the show notes. And uh, a book that you recommend that we read, it could be personal or professional. I really like, and this is not tech related. This is more like fun related, but I do it's think totally it's- totally okay. We're allowed to have fun. It's related <laughs> to math. Um, Louis Armstrong's In His Own Words. It's his autobiography, basically. And it's just so entertaining and he's an amazing writer and I'm very into jazz. So yeah, that's one of my favorites. Awesome. What is your favorite website or mobile app, your go-to that you are so elated to share with all of us? The Levels app is is my first go-to, but you know what? This is actually kind of embarrassing, but I have this app called Fee, F-I, because my dog 
likes to run off the property and I have a tracking collar on him. And that's that's actually my most commonly used app. <laughs> that counts. So FI, how can people connect with you? Are you on LinkedIn? Yes, I am on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way. It's H-E-L-E-N-A is my first name. And then my last name is Belloff, B-E-L-L-O-F-F as in Frank. Elena, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember, go to the community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you, talk to you, all the things in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Hey, this is Helena Beloff, a data scientist at Levels Health, which has a mission to solve the metabolic health crisis by showing members how food affects their health through continuous glucose monitoring. I'm based in New York, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.